Good morning. Hello. Hello. Good, you are here. Some of you backed up from 11 o'clock last night, so you, you've got an excuse for being tired this morning. My name's David. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for our Lord Jesus, whose birth we remember and celebrate. Thank you that your salvation entered into the world. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was at a training day for young adults. Uh, going back a few years ago now, it was the sort of young adults, well, it was the Sunday school teachers, the youth group leaders. Uh, most of us were a year or two out of high school, and it was the minister of the church who was teaching us, who was training us. Uh, he was a young uh, man, a young unmarried man himself, and he was teaching us about relationships, about husbands and wives, because, you know, when you're leading youth group, you, you kind of need to know that stuff. It's the question that comes up every week, apparently. Uh, and he was teaching us from Ephesians chapter 5 about husbands and about wives and, uh, and how husbands are called to sacrifice themselves for their wives. And he delivered this line that he'd clearly practised. It was said in earnest. It was said deadly serious. It was said with all the intent of the world as he looked at us well, what he meant to say was, God commands, husbands, lay down your lives. What he said was, God commands, husbands, lay down your wives. <laughs> we laughed. He turned bright, bright red, and the room descended into chaos. Have you ever said something in deadly seriousness? You're earnest as, and people just laughed at you. They thought you just made the greatest joke of all time. Have you ever found yourself in that? Maybe you misspoke, as, as, as my friend happened to. Or perhaps you just said something so outrageous that surely it's a joke, right? You don't, you don't really mean what you've just said, do you? It happened to God. It happened to God twice. He said something that was just so proposed, not that he misspoke, but it was so outrageous that the people who heard couldn't help but laugh. Turn back to Genesis, back to that first Bible reading. Uh, it's page 15-ish, somewhere around there. And we're going to go back to chapter 17 in Genesis. This is a Christmas sermon. We're going to get to Jesus. Don't worry. But we're going to take a little bit of a journey to get there. Turn back to Genesis chapter 17 and listen to what God said to this man, Abram. Now I'm going to just pick a few verses through the story. Uh, it's chapter 17 and verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. He's pretty old by now, okay? And just so that you know, he'd had no children with his wife. Verse 4, if you look down, God said to him, This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, remember, he's got no kids. He's 99. His wife is 90. Jump over to verse 15. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you will no longer call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. 
I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And how did Abraham respond to this entirely preposterous claim? I'm 99, my wife is 90, we haven't had a child all our lives. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Abraham said, if only Ishmael, if only this other son I had with some other woman would serve. I mean, Abraham's he's lolling, right? I mean, that's, he's, he's ruffle-mowing. Ruffle, ruffle I mean, he's on the floor, rolling around, laughing his face off at God. How can you say we're going to have a son? It happened again in chapter 18, that first Bible reading that we had. Look at the next chapter, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abram near the great trees of Mamre. While he was sitting there, Abram looked up and saw three men. God comes again to Abraham. Jump down to verse 10. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abram and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? God spoke, and he said something so outrageous that the people who heard it could only laugh. I'm 99, she's 90 and barren, menopausal I take it, and you're telling us now we're going to have a kid? What a joke, except that it's kind of an off-colour joke. You know those topics that you don't, you don't really joke about? I mean, there are jokes about those topics, and they're kind of a bit wrong. Right? I, I thought of bringing some examples, and then I thought, well, no, because they're wrong. I'm not going to give you examples of those jokes. And here we're talking about the salvation of the world. We're talking about the future for humanity. God had promised these two, Abram and Sarah, that all of humanity would be blessed through them, through their offspring. This is no joking matter, God. Salvation of the world dependent upon a barren, pastored couple. It's a little bit like if you imagine the Queen of England, who is technically still the Queen of Australia. Imagine if she had no kids. No descendant, no heir. She's 90 now. Uh, her husband's 95. I mean, they're still pretty sprightly for, for their age. But imagine if someone rocked up to them and said, by this time next year, you will have a baby boy. The heir will be born. No, no. That's not. We, we've, the succession has been established. Someone else is going to do it. And yet God gets the last laugh because, of course, it happens as he said. Over in chapter 21... We read, the Lord was gracious to Sarah. The Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. She became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Let no one doubt, let no one doubt that this was God's doing. Because that's the point. From the very beginning of the salvation story, salvation comes from God. The future of humanity, any hope that we might have, comes from God. It is based not on the power or the goodness of any person, 
but on the power and mercy of God. And a little bit like a dad joke, God keeps repeating it. Now, our dads, I don't know what you're like. Apparently, I'm turning into mine, uh, which is, uh, you know, what can you do? And, and my old man is a shocker for dad jokes. Right, hi, I'm hungry. And what's the response? Thank you. Hi, I'm dad. All, right, all you dads and dads in training. My, my old man's even worse. His, his favourite one is this one. I, I, apparently, there was an ad a long time ago for Big Ben Pies. Who remembers Big Ben Pies? Right, okay, yep, excellent. We know the old people. Okay, and so... Uh, his line is, right, I feel like a big vampire. And the response is, funny, you don't look like one, right? <laughs> Except that he does both lines. It's not that you do one, he just does it himself. I feel like a big vampire. <laughs> funny, you don't look like one. <laughs> right, and that's... Yeah, good one, Dad. And he goes on and a little bit like... And the joke, he just keeps doing it. Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son, marries a woman called Rebecca, and what do you know... She's barren until God gives them, well, twins. She can't have a child. They can't continue to pass on the promises until God intervenes. One of their twins, Jacob, again, the one that the promises are going to pass down through, he marries two women and has two concubines, but the one that is supposed to continue the line is barren until God intervenes. At crucial points in the story of the salvation of humanity, key children are born to previously barren women. The judge Samson arose to deliver Israel, born of a barren woman. The prophet Samuel, born of a barren woman. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet since Elijah, we're told, born to a barren woman. Why? Why has God repeatedly done this? Well, it becomes clear at Christmas time. It becomes clear when the Messiah, the ultimate saviour, if you like, is born to a virgin. Now flick back over to Luke chapter 1. Uh, it's page 900 and something-ish. Who's got a page for me? 990. Thank you, Abigail. Luke chapter 1. I mean, you thought it was hard to produce a baby in a barren woman. God does the ultimate display of his creative power, of his mercy to save. As God in the sixth month, Luke 1.26 sends Gabriel to Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to Joseph, a descendant of David. The line, all those impossible children, lead here. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. She's troubled. The angel says, Don't be afraid. You will be with child and give birth to a son. Now, this is the significance of the virgin birth. It is the sign that salvation is God's work. My salvation is not my work. Your salvation is not yours. It is the work of God. 
Now, I wonder perhaps this might be why some people want to deny the whole virgin. It, it just, ah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, it, apart from the whole impossibility bit, ah, that's not really impossible for God. Rather, the point is that the virgin birth puts us in our place because it says salvation is from God. There is nothing that humanity did or can do. It shows us up after we laughed. Yeah, right, God's going to save us by bringing a child into the world through a woman who is a virgin. But of course, God gets the last laugh again. And it's a joke that we can join in with. I mean, if, if you're going to call it a joke. <laughs> that, well... When we appeared to have no future, at this very crucial point in time, when we were doomed, God gave us a future. He gave it to us impossibly. He gave it to us in an astonishing, preposterous way. And yet he gave it such that now his son, Jesus, sits on the throne of David. A child is born to a virgin when humanity was doomed to condemnation, Jesus saves us from sin. What are you going to celebrate this Christmas? Family, I hope, although maybe family is a reason not to celebrate for you. Friends, good food. Perhaps a bit too much alcohol. What are, you, what are you going to celebrate? I'm really hoping to celebrate the cricket tomorrow, but I guess it really depends how we go, right? It's This Christmas, will you stop and thank God? Thank him that the salvation that he brought into the world in the Lord Jesus was entirely his doing. That he was so kind and so merciful that at that crucial point where we had no hope, he impossibly brought hope into the world. Will you stop and thank him? Will you rejoice in Jesus being born? We rejoice at the birth of every baby, but this is a special one. 2,000 years, 20,000 kilometres later, we are still rejoicing for God's salvation has entered the world. But you've got to be humble before God. You've got to be humble. Recognise that salvation comes from his hand and his hand alone. You need what he offers. And so please don't leave here today. I know Christmas is waiting. I know the roasts that we so strangely still eat in the middle of our heat are waiting and people have been to the fish markets yesterday to fight for the prawns and I, I know all of that is to come. But don't leave unless you know, you know that the salvation that God's Saviour brought into the world is yours. That you have confidence, knowing that the King is your King, that you're on the right side of the judge, that eternity is yours and that heaven awaits you. If you are not confident, you need to be. For the Virgin gave birth. Salvation has entered our world. God's salvation is at hand. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that impossibly through the history of salvation you have time and again brought your Saviour into the world in ways that if you'd told us beforehand we would only laugh at. And yet, Father, in Jesus your salvation has come. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done when we couldn't. We rejoice in the salvation that has been won. We rejoice in knowing that eternity is ours in your Son, that forgiveness of sins has been purchased by him. We are humble before you, Father, knowing that there is nothing we can or do bring. And so we are confident relying upon your mercy and your power to save. Thank you. Amen.